Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Welcome back to another episode of All Fired Up. I'm so excited to bring you this week's conversation because I think it's a really important one that we are perhaps not having enough of quite yet. So my amazing guest this week is Ashley Bennett and we heard a little bit of a rant from her last week from the Crappy Awards and we were talking about her being an upcoming guest and it is today that she will be coming on and talking. So Ashley is also known as the Fat Therapist. She's based in Melbourne in Australia and she is just incredibly awesome about bringing her lived experience into the realm of therapy. So this week on All Fired Up, we're talking about, quote unquote, the elephant in the room. Why aren't we talking about body size and all the assumptions that everyone makes about body size in therapy? This just seems to be absolutely missing. And the problem that happens when we don't talk about this stuff is the weight bias that can operate on all kinds of levels and all kinds of kind of subtle hierarchies gets completely missed. And as a therapist who works with the Health at Every Size framework and who tries as hard as she can to be very aware of weight bias in all of its forms, I think it's really sad that we're not unpacking this more and not talking about it more. Because I certainly know in my sessions with people that just some of the best stuff comes from talking about your experience of either my body or their body or you know, how we're both reacting to each other's bodies and, and all the assumptions that comes along with that. So this is a fantastic conversation to talk about how therapy can be affected by either talking or not talking about body size. It's very nuanced and I hope that everybody gets a lot out of it because towards the end we get to talking about how health professionals can improve their practice around this area and also if you're a client of a health professional, what you can do to make you know, your therapy a lot better and more meaningful and have a lot more depth and richness and how you can really use therapy to kick diet culture to the curb for good which is what it's all about, right? So without further ado, I give you the wonderful Ashley Bennett. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And what is it that's firing you up? I am all fired up about the fact that we do not talk about bodies in therapy, especially the relationship between the client and the therapist like what does it mean to have a fat therapist what does it mean to have a larger bodied client or a fat client or a curvy client we just need to have a discussion about that yes I, I love this topic we so need to have a discussion because there's like I don't know like a wind tunnel of silence around how the impact of everybody's size in the therapy room affects things and of course yeah. it affects things 
Definitely. It's like the biggest form of self-disclosure that one can have. We look at someone's body and we make assumptions about them and that's normal, but we need to think about what our assumptions are. doesn't mean we don't have them, but it, we just need to think about them. That's right. Yeah. Cause in therapy, I mean, therapy is all about recognizing our assumptions and then questioning them. Exactly. And yeah, this is the unspoken stuff that just never comes up in yeah. definitely, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm trained in, you know, all of these different things that can happen to people. And when I look back at my training, I don't think I had a single day of training about this impact Mm. of my body size on the therapy that might be happening. It, It was completely absent. Yeah, yeah. It's still very taboo. And, you know, a lot of things in cultural responsive practice are still very taboo. But I don't know, it's just time we look at this. Totally. Because you have the luxury of not being a clinical psychologist like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're a master's trained art therapist. So you did get more of this kind of stuff in your training, right? Yeah, we come from a more humanistic approach. So we really recognise the whole human. And we we try to neutralise as much of the hierarchy as possible that (gasps) sorry sorry my inner (laughs) what (laughs) my inner clinical psychologist has just climbed a tree and is shaking yeah 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 we try and reduce it as much as we can because it's all about recognizing that we're both humans and we're both humans having a human experience in a body especially from an existential lens which is another area Uh Yeah, it's just recognising, you know, that we're both human and we all have struggles and I don't know anything. You're the expert, basically. When I see a client, I look at them and I think you are the expert of your experience and I am here to be with you, you know, along that experience. Mm. And that's, you know, very much in line with the therapeutic relationship in a health at every size framework. Mm. And I actually think that even though I'm a master's trained clinical psychologist, this is why I love health at every size because it does sort of level the playing field a bit. And yeah, and that, that yeah, you're much more compassionate, you're much more connected. And I love that idea that the person's the expert of their own personhood and experience because, of course, they are. Mm, exactly. As soon as we, you know, place assumptions upon them and try and fix these invisible things that they haven't, you know, they may or may not have declared, that's when you, you know, you start getting a lot of tension and, you know, you might not see that client again and then you wonder why. Yeah, well, in a clinical psychology model, you might just call them non-compliant and never wonder about it again. Yeah. Or the resistance. Yeah. How do they have resistance? <laughs> yeah, so we locate the problem in the other person and never have a look yeah, at the yeah, model yeah. ourselves. Which is what we do with fat bodies in general, if we want to start going down that route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's more that, you know... I like to talk about the whole good fatty and bad fatty and that if you're a good fatty, you are compliant and, you know, you're seeking out weight loss and, you know, you're going to therapy and you're asking your therapist, how can I lose weight? And Mm -hmm. the bad fatty is sort of the non-compliant, the resistant, rebellious person that, you know, is demonized. So if you're a good fatty, at least you're kind of an okay human. That's what 
that's how it's sort of seen. That's really horrible, isn't it? So a quote unquote good fatty is someone who's trying very hard not to be fat and has followed that idea that fatness is a bad thing. Yeah. And they're trying to say like, look how good I am. I'm trying, I'm doing my best and it's my fault if I fail. And, you know, there is an element of self-responsibility and initiative, but we know that weight is just a bigger issue. And that's what Health at Every Size does. It actually, you know, it sees the entire person, not just, you know, those biomedical markers of someone's Mm. obesity. Mm. Well, yeah, it sees the injustice of that idea of fatness being necessarily a bad thing. Mm, Exactly. And the bad fatty, quote unquote, Mm. is someone who maybe doesn't buy into that assumption that weight is automatically a bad thing or that if you are in a bigger body you should devote your whole life to shrinking it and if you're not doing that then you're not kind of playing by the rules yeah exactly it becomes this moral issue because at least if you're doing well you're okay and that's why there's you know there's a lot of conflict around body positivity in general because it's seen to be full of bad fatties you know posting pictures of themselves with ice cream as i did recently good on you Glorifying obesity, right? Yeah, glorifying it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so there's these concepts of the good fatty and the bad fatty and we're really talking about weight stigma and weight prejudice, all the assumptions that we bring up when we talk about body size. So what would you say the fundamental assumptions about fat bodies? The biggest ones are lazy unintelligent, stupid, unmotivated, out of control, a disease waiting to happen. Mm. Sometimes, you know, I'm hanging around Instagram and I'll see under people's pictures, someone just writes heart disease or someone just writes diabetes. Mm. They're just seen as a walking disease. Yeah. And that's, that's fairly fundamental and it's fairly widespread, that kind Mm. of, yeah. yeah. And then what happens when, you know, someone who hasn't challenged their weight bias, that could be anyone, but especially health professionals, you know, someone comes into the room who they see as fat and they haven't challenged their weight bias, how do they see their client? Mm. Yeah, they will see them with those assumptions. Mm. Mm. But, you know, what's interesting is I think a lot of therapists don't even see that set of assumptions as weight bias. They see it as true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I think weight bias is still one of those minimised, politically correct, you know, does it really exist? Are we just giving fat people an excuse to remain fat? Yeah, Um, is that really a thing? Like are are we becoming completely over the top with quote-unquote political correctness? Yeah, exactly. That just really pisses me off because I, I... I love a lot of aspects of, you know, living in this age of more sensitivity around diversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love, I mean, how great was it with the same-sex marriage outcome and yeah. how awesome there is much more attention given to gender fluidity and, yeah. and racism. I mean, none of this is fixed, by the way. I'm not saying anything's fixed, mm. but there's a lot more attention and at least a lot more discussion happening. However, it seems that weight bias is Mm. literally the blind spot. 
Yeah, well, it is, as they say, weight or fat prejudice is one of the last remaining socially acceptable prejudices. Like, it's okay to hate on fat people and laugh at fat people and, you know, make jokes about them in TV and in movies and show them as headless fatties on the news. And it really comes down to, I'm really interested in the whole, like, with some, you know, especially with chronic illness and disability, you know, there's a lot of activism surrounding that, but people, the lay public, are more likely to have sympathy or understanding around people who don't have a choice about it, whereas fat people are sort of seen as they have a choice. They chose to be fat. Mm-hmm. That's their yeah. problem, so they're going to be shamed for it. Yeah, there is that perception of it being a choice and not something that is just a fact of life for many people. But I have heard that quote that you mentioned before as well, and I kind of don't agree with it because <laughs> yeah. it's the last socially acceptable form of prejudice. You know, I know that that really has upset a lot of people who are doing a lot of activism Mm. against all kinds of prejudice and Uh, yeah yeah so it's wrong it's yeah yeah it kind of I think it vanishes like the the ongoing fights that are still happening in so many areas but so it's not saying that it's you know the last one but it's definitely one that's just not even being chatted about believed you know Mm. not even a thing like I had a conversation with someone recently about what I do and they said oh really is that a thing yeah yeah and I'm like okay there's all your privilege yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah and that's the thing I mean you know I get pissed off about this and I think about it a lot but at the end of the day we're all such a can you know a product of our conditioning and you know if you asked me about this stuff even three years ago I would have thought yeah I need to go and lose weight I need to restrict I need I'm just lazy I'm unmotivated Mm -hmm. until we talk about it and until we let people ask questions as well and allow them to parrot their bullshit really Mm -hmm. and not immediately shut them down yeah we can't really have a proper conversation we do need to hear their bullshit for a while yeah Um, yeah we need that we you know like you said even a few years ago even you were quote unquote a good fatty yeah swallowed that whole idea that your body needed to change Mm, Um, So how did that shift for you? Oh, that's a huge (laughs) thing. It's so, yeah, that's sort of what got me into this in the first place is that it is so complex. You know, I looked at my psychology. I looked at my history. I looked at my relationship with movement and with food and it's all so intertwined. And I just came to the realisation that I'm actually healthy, you know, I have a body that is seen as unhealthy, but when I go to the doctor, you know, my blood pressure's fine. I have great cholesterol. I don't have a fatty liver. You know, I was bashing myself up and actually causing more harm to myself by having these thoughts that I needed to change than I was actually I was physically okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was your first inkling. Like there was that disconnection between thinking something was dreadfully wrong all the time and then realising actually you're in pretty good health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And ever since, you know, I've started, you know, my research area, I'm going into internalised weight stigma. So I've really been looking at weight stigma in general and the physiological effects as well. And there's just so much evidence out there now that weight stigma and those who are exposed to discrimination have a higher mortality risk 
it's not actually about the weight in general. It's about being in a stigmatized group, a devalued group in society. Yeah, that sort of research is very strong and very evident, isn't it? That mm. we, we always confound body weight with mortality, saying it's the weight. But when we look at the impact of stigma quite on its own, that's contributing to early deaths from so many levels, right? From yeah. from people feeling too ashamed to go and have a pap smear so they don't get tested and found out mm -hmm. until it's far too late. Mm -hmm. to, you know, a myriad of other kinds of factors like just living with chronic stress and living with being isolated and left out of everything. Yeah, yeah, and that those things do have an impact. And I think in a sense, you know, weight stigma is linked to mental health stigma. I mean... Yeah. You don't believe that, you know, someone's feelings being hurt or someone being ashamed could have such physiological effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, but it does. You reminded me, like, what really pisses me off in the... Because you know how the quote-unquote obesity world is now making a lot of tokenistic efforts to talk about weight bias and weight stigma. Oh, and yeah. One of the things they always <laughs> mention is that people in larger bodies have higher levels of depression and anxiety mm. and so for them that's reason to keep trying to shrink them <laughs> yeah exactly. hello wake up yeah. <laughs> maybe totally. we're depressed because of your bullshit yes yes perhaps the solution here isn't to change my body but to change your bias mm, exactly yeah. it's not about me i'm not going to take on yeah. your business so this is where you got to, right? You had internalised weight bias and then at some point you realised, you know what, it's not me, it's you, <laughs> it's the world. Exactly. Which, and has that had a pretty nice impact for you? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you wake up in the morning and things just seem a bit different, but I know it's not that sudden, oh, one day I had internalised weight stigma and then the next day I don't. It's just a process that's happened over time and I literally think about you know the brain as neural pathways and I went down a particular path for many many years thinking the same thoughts over again that I am I need to lose weight I need to do this to be acceptable and blah 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 and then once I stopped walking down those paths and sort of replacing them with you know maybe I'm all right you know maybe we need different bodies in the media maybe it's not about me you know, and so I started developing those pathways. And yeah, I like to think it happened gradually. And then one morning it was like, yes. Yeah, one morning it, it's just like a little bit stronger and it feels like yeah. it's there a bit more permanently. Mm. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing as well is that it is a process and you can get to a point where you feel, you know, pretty solid within yourself. But like with anyone, whenever vulnerabilities come in, it's really easy for us to just project our pain onto our body. And so it's just recognising in those days that, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit more vulnerable today and so I'm taking it out on my legs. Or <laughs> you know, just noticing that it's not actually about your legs or about your fat. It's probably about something else and to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's a really good point. But I think when you live in a bigger body and you're living in a world which discriminates against being in a bigger body even if you are working hard to reduce your internalized weight stigma there'll be some days where it is really hard and you will take it out on your body because that seems like the solution if I wasn't in a bigger body I wouldn't get this yeah exactly yeah that brings 
you know, brings it back to therapy as well of, you know, as a fat client, if you go into therapy and your internalized weight stigma hasn't even been recognized and, you know, most likely it hasn't. And you sit there in in front of your therapist and say, I want to lose weight. And because of the way we approach therapy, we work with our client and we come up with some methods and work with them on reducing their weight. But that's sort of reinforcing Mm-hmm. internalized weight stigma yeah you know it totally sucks unless your therapist is aware of the whole issue of weight bias yeah, and very exactly. few are very few yeah are. yeah i hear multiple experiences on a daily basis online and in real life about how people in fat bodies they come to me and they say oh i can never bring up you know my weight issues with my therapist because she's so thin and like she's just going to tell me that I need to lose weight. And there's a lot of, you know, fat people need a safe space to talk about what it's been like being in a fat body without the result being go and lose weight and you won't have that problem. Mm. And there's very few spaces and it can be hard to know who is safe to talk to. Yeah. And it's just multiply complicated when the person themselves is suffering from internalized weight bias. So it doesn't even think, for example, that the problem might not, you know, like isn't where you were at, which is maybe it's not me, maybe it's the world. Very few mm-hmm. people are there and it's hard to get them there if the world's full of therapists who also don't get it. Yeah. That yeah. really shits me. I recently had a new client come to me who's been seeing a therapist for a while who bills themselves as a nutritional psychologist, which anyway, (laughs) but as it turned out, my client who has binge eating disorder was being told by this nutritional psychologist to follow the weight loss plan that he had developed and to buy supplements off him. Oh, geez. And it was only when it got that blatant that my client thought, you know what, maybe I need to change therapists. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a face palm moment. Oh, oh, it's just horrendous. And like I do see many people and I'm the first person that they've talked to about weight bias or about body size or about yeah. like weight stigma being a you know, that whole idea of maybe nothing's wrong with you, maybe something's terribly wrong with the world. Mm, mm. I absolutely love what I do because of those conversations. Yeah, it can be an incredibly validating moment. It's yeah, it's yeah. like it unlocks a space within you that you know contains a lot of hurt and trauma, and finally it's being seen. That's yeah, that's what people say, and that's that's how people feel. And it is a process, like you said, it's not like one session and people are running out going, "Yay, yeah, I'm free." <laughs> But it's, it's liberating and it's empowering and it's yeah. just, I think, it's just fundamentally right on a physical level and on a moral, ethical level. As mm. a therapist, this is what we should be focusing on. Yeah, definitely. It's time to have these conversations. Yeah, we've got to bring the world into the therapy room, which mm. goes against clinical psychology training. Yeah. But happily, there's a lot of other fields that do talk about social justice and equality and, you know, are, are a lot better yeah. at bringing the world into the room than in traditional yeah. clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of taking like feminist frameworks a bit more seriously as well in you know psychology approaches or many therapeutic mm-hmm. approaches. Yeah. When I was at uni 150 years ago, 
feminist theory was like I think we had like half an hour or so and it was laughed at it was you know it was yeah. not, like there's these rampant people who had these crazy ideas and you know but <laughs> I just like I just really strongly think that feminist theory needs to underpin eating disorder treatment particularly oh definitely but probably the whole of psychology as well because how can we ignore this level of oppression mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I think sometimes when we bring it back up to that level or back down to that level on a foundational scale, it seems like such a huge feat because it involves so many domains within life. It's not going to be just looking uniquely at the medical model and adjusting things. It's we need to look at so many layers of society and the individual and family and the whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We do need to make massive change, but just acknowledging that we need to make massive change on a social level can actually really help someone's individual psychological health. Yeah, definitely. You know, even though I'm a fat therapist and I'm talking about weight stigma and diet culture, I'm also an activist as well. And I have to, you know, I think about this a lot. What does it mean to bring my activism into a clinical setting or into the therapy space? My body is sort of you know, a very obvious display of activism. I don't cover my body up a lot. doesn't mean I walk around in crop top. And yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm very comfortable in my body as a fat woman. And that sort of display is sort of seen as activism. And the fact that I call myself fat as mm. well. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's bringing in, it's joining domains that are sort of seen at the moment to, you know, need, they need to be really separate but they don't. We need to have no. questions. That's right. And you're bringing yourself in and your personal experience in as well, which is mm -hmm. vital and part of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what is it like to, because, you know, I am, I operate from a lot of privilege. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I do specialise in the health at every size approaches and mm -hmm. body positivity approaches, but I do it all from all this privilege. Like I'm a thin, white, straight female. There's so many you know, intersections of privilege that I bring into the room. And what I don't have, especially when I'm working with people in larger bodies, is that lived experience. Mm, so mm. what is it like for you to work as a fat therapist? I sort of relate to in a sense that my only, you know, um, aspect of being a devalued human is in my fatness. I am a white woman and I'm a straight woman as well. Yeah, but something happens. It's like this unspoken when you're in a fat body you even see it in the street you sort of make eyes with the other fat girl or the other fat woman you sort of relate you sort of know possibly what each other has been through like a recognition yeah yeah it's like I see you you know I get you hmm. and in the therapy room you know that sometimes comes across as you know with my bigger clients I'll have like they'll say oh, you know, you know how it is. Or they, they just say, I feel so much more comfortable talking to you yeah. about, you know, fat sex as well, which is another topic we can mm. talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with my clients who are in smaller bodies, we don't really bring it up. It's interesting. Mm. They may not have, my clients in bigger bodies may not have come to me, you know, wanting to talk about their body or weight issues they may come for social anxiety and rah, 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 but then it sort of comes back to the body because they see me as someone who they can talk to about this. I'm not going to, you know, jump down their throat. 
Mm. And I suppose, in a sense, that gives me a bit of privilege in that aspect. Mm. On the other side of the coin, I think about, I don't want to reveal too much about myself, but yeah. how, you know, what might the client be thinking about the quality of our therapy together because I'm in a bigger body, especially a smaller body. Are they yeah. making assumptions about me? Is it a barrier that, you know, could harm our relationship? Yeah, there's all this transference and counter-transference that goes yeah. on around this topic of body size. Yeah. Yeah, it's vulnerable mm, definitely. On, on both sides. And yeah. it's really interesting what you're saying about that recognition and that feeling of safety. I bring it up with my clients, you know, that discussion about the body more often. I'm the first one to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, that's um, brilliant though. Yeah, and it's it's always a bit of a scary moment for me to start talking about the differences between our bodies or, or body size and how that affects experience in the world because I'm not in a larger body. But I really want every client that comes into the room to know that I'm aware of the difference and yeah. Yeah. that I'm aware that what I have is a privilege and that I I, I can't be you know i haven't got a lived experience but i'm an ally for people who have lived experience and that i don't agree with the world but yeah so i recognize the the injustice and i want to work to change that injustice that's that's why i need to do it with clients because yeah and i think that's really important especially that you bring it up first like it's when it comes to fat bodies it, it can either be I'm going to overtly proclaim that I'm fat and I, I will attack myself before anyone does. Or then there's this tendency to, I'm just not going to acknowledge the fact that I have a fat body. You know, there's that tendency to throw it up or put on shapewear or trying to like contort the body to become acceptable and, mm. uh, you know, to have your therapist bring it up right away. It's modeling that non-avoidance. Yeah. Well, I don't always do it right away. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But and to bring it up as it, yeah, in the right way, in at the right time, in the context, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't. I want it to be a thing to be talked about, but maybe not talked about in that, like the good fatty way, or you oh, know, sure, definitely. Yeah. It's yeah. There's levels at which to approach it, and that's that's another thing. I think that's why we need so much more training, because. Yeah. You know, we see people along the journey of body acceptance, especially people in bigger bodies, you know, either right at the start where they hate their body or right at the end where we're running around in little tight golden shorts and a crop top, with, you know, <laughs> coloured hair. You know, we're having the best time ever. You know, but we don't actually see how it looks throughout the process and how we can sort of facilitate that process in the therapy room as well. Yeah, and it's a messy process and a vulnerable process and a scary yeah. process. Yeah, but definitely. There's conversations that need to be had. Yeah. But I think as a therapist, you need to really have your own weight bias stuff. Definitely. Unpacked in a big way. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're still holding on to anything like, oh, but what if they're really, really big or really unhealthy, then you have, you can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a whole other topic as well it's yeah yeah because i think we were talking about before we started recording we we're talking about where can people get trained like for or you know um, 
go to like look at their whole idea of weight bias and mm. if they're a therapist, how can you unpack it a bit more? And you know, I unpacked it in supervision largely. Yeah, that's another thing though, is finding the right supervision group. Yeah. Um, Obviously, hey, it's friendly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, otherwise you'll go to supervision and you might get bombarded. Well, this is the thing. And when you look around for training in psychology, particularly in Australia, for like, who can I go to to talk about weight issues? Then you're most likely to run into, quote, unquote, weight management psychologists who are horrendous a part of diet culture because they do buy into this good and bad fatty thing and they're usually selling diets and and Mm. weight loss as a solution to weight bias which is a load of crap yeah you've got to look for the Hayes community to for training and supervision in unpacking weight bias yeah definitely I think that's where people need to begin yeah and it's just so absent it's particularly absent in the health professionals who are helping people with eating disorders, which is a tragedy. Mm. But it's a tragedy all round that, that this is missing from training and narratives and awareness across psychology. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, one of the biggest questions I really want to say this is as a health, other health professionals, especially ones in smaller bodies, is why do I feel entitled to help fat people? Why do they need my help? <laughs> it's a deep, juicy, scary, potentially revealing, you know, of your shadow self. Um, <laughs> yeah. We have to ask these questions. Yeah. Yeah, help? What, what with? <laughs> Why do I need to help this fat person? Yeah. And how do I think I'm helping? And am I actually just keeping the harm going? Mm, exactly yeah there's a, there's such a level of condescension isn't there in that mm, yeah. yeah and we often hear you know these surgeons particularly surgeons are great at like being the shining light and the heroes for all of these people in larger bodies who are going to die without them yeah exactly like give me a medal please <laughs> well yeah It's so interesting what you were saying before about when clients are in larger bodies, going to see a thin therapist will often make them feel kind of shut down and unable to have a conversation about it. Mm. Yeah, it's that fear of, you know, am I going to be repeating, you know, similar experiences, especially, you know, we know a lot about the transferences that can happen in therapy. Your therapist may turn into your mum or your dad or you know, someone significant in your life. And it's like, is this going to be repeating what has already happened? Is this person safe? I may have formed an attachment with my therapist and by me bringing up my weight issues, is that going to harm our relationship? Do I have to feel hurt all over again? It it can get pretty deep. Yeah, is it going to be safe? Am I going to get judged? Mm, Yeah. Mm. Will they think that I'm good? Will they think that I'm bad? It. You know, a lot of us who go to therapy, you know, have a we bring in our child self. Of course. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's a very delicate area. Yeah, and it's so important to be aware of it and not to use it in a way to keep the oppression going. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Check your privilege. <laughs> privilege. Yeah, and it is a massive ethical issue that is happening. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll begin to unpack it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, with more conversations like this, that we can start to unpack it. But, you know, as how can you, if you are a client in a larger body going to therapy, Mm -hmm. what would your advice be? My biggest piece of advice is to get a little bit brave and have a conversation and bring it up. Just start the conversation. You could even just start with, your body scares me or your body, I feel like because of your body, you're judging my body. Just bring it up gently. And if you feel safe, of course, but communication really is the key. That's why it's a cliche. It's a cliche, but it's so good. Yeah. So be a bit brave in therapy. Yeah, be brave because it might be okay. It might be okay. You're right. But I, I hopefully you've done your research before you go see the therapist and have... Yeah. Definitely. found evidence of some kind of training in their own weight bias or mm, for sure. some kind of recognition, steer clear of therapists who are selling nutrients or yeah, <laughs> weight management. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Don't be afraid to sack your therapist if they give you the wrong response. Yeah, definitely. You are there for you. You do not have to please your therapist and your therapist is a big boy or girl and they can deal with it. Mm. Okay. And if you've been brave enough to come up with this whole topic of body and being larger in a prejudiced world and your therapist has expressed unexamined weight bias and weight stigma, it's okay for you to step away. But you have to keep really strongly in the front of your head, this is about you, not about me. Yeah, it's not. they're not your emotions to own. And I think that can be really shattering for, you know, because when we go to therapy you know, we sort of see our therapist as someone who knows their stuff. And the expert, but also your friend and your confidant and your ally. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay to see them as, you know, we don't know everything because they're human as well, but it's okay to let them own their stuff. You don't have to take it on. That's a really good piece of advice. And I think for health professionals, the advice is check your privilege. Check your privilege. <laughs> Look into haze if you haven't already. It's not scary. It's not going to make all of your clients gain a heap of weight and, yeah. you know, become horrendous people. Yeah. Yeah. Really check your privilege and ask yourself some really deep questions. Yeah. About what do I really think about fat people? You know, we can say on the surface, oh, yeah, they're fine. They're just, you know, they're just fat or whatever. But go, go deeper. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we need need a lot of examination around that and unpack that yourself before you try to bring it into the therapy room with actual people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do training alongside Fiona Willer for psychologists and counsellors and we do a lot of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like it's so, I can't even express how rewarding it is because it's the first time people have talked about this stuff. Mm. Yeah, and I think so. After even after doing training, you still need to do supervision. Like you still need to, because stuff keeps on coming up. Like you said earlier, this is the process. It's not just exactly yeah one conversation and you know years of diet culture saturation <laughs> related. You know, internalized depression falls away. It takes time. Yeah, yeah, and you know these little biases like to dress up as other things. You know. Mm. They like to roll themselves in glitter and say, no, we're, we're this and we're okay and we're safe. 
We're yeah. concerned about your health. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're really fat. You know? <laughs> really or, you know, it's your health. So now we'll switch into weight focus mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are really big warning signs to say get the hell away from whoever you're near because they have an unpacked their bias. Yeah, yeah, and it's like maybe I'll come back once you've done that. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll find a new therapist. Maybe I will. Not maybe, but yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, brilliant conversation. So interesting. This has been such a fascinating chat with you and like we could go on for hours and down a lot of very deep holes, not holes, but like just, there's just so many, there's so, yeah, rabbit hole, that's what I was thinking about. There's so many directions that we could go in and I want to go deeper on a lot of things, but this is just one podcast, so we can't do it all now. Yeah, at least it's planted the seed. Hopefully that's where we begin. Hopefully it's planted a seed and hopefully we get we do get conversations started about, you know, what if I'm a therapist, what is my weight bias and my assumptions about my own body and about the bodies of people who are coming in. And if you are a client or a potential client, what are you bringing in and how can you help change the conversation internally and externally? It's definitely a thing. It's it definitely is a thing. We're not going to minimise it anymore. Don't dodge it. Yeah, let's just talk about it. It's here. So let's. Like, we've all got bodies. They've all got meanings, right or wrong. And, and it's like we said earlier, therapy is about looking at our assumptions and figuring out how they're affecting us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for such an amazing chat. Thank you, Louise. It's been excellent. I feel all fired up now. All fired up for yeah, continuing to do the awesome stuff that you do because oh, my hat is off to all therapists who identify as fat and unapologetic mm-hmm. in that space because like the change that you can bring about is incredible. Yeah. 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 Take good care of yourself. Yes. Yes. Thanks so much, and I'm sure we we're going to chat again. Yeah. Thanks, Louise. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. That was the fabulous Ashley. Isn't she incredible? If you want to find out more about her and everything that she is doing, go to fattherapist.com, her new website. She is going to be seeing clients in Melbourne. So if you live around there, you are so lucky. Go see her. And look on Instagram too for the Fat Therapist. So thank you for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that conversation. I definitely know I did. And if you're enjoying our podcast, don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a really positive rating and review and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you to everybody who is continuing to send emails and messages and just sort of thoughts and encouragement on how much you're getting out of the podcast because it really does warm my heart and helps me to develop ideas for future episodes. So I really appreciate all of your feedback. Thank you so much. And if you've got an idea or something that's just really pissing you off, please send me an email to louise at untrapped.com.au and hopefully I can get fired up about it with you or with someone that you might know. And if you are struggling, if you are feeling like you need some extra support in this area, please consider joining us at Untrapped. 
because this online program is definitely changing lives. And yes, I'm blowing my own trumpet because I have created the program along with the other fabulous untrapped guides and I help people, you know, through the program. So yes, I'm totally biased, but the feedback that we're getting is just lovely and really positive. And people's lives are certainly changing in a much more empowered and relaxed and calm and supportive and connected way so check us out untrapped.com.au have a look at the program and if you think it suits you then dive in and get to know us and don't forget to download our ebook too which is on the website untrapped.com.au the ebook is called everything you've been told about weight loss is bullshit by me and the fabulous Fiona Willer. It's a cracker of a read and it gives you all of the background information that you need to know about why the health at every size approach is not just, you know, the only ethical thing that we can do, but it's very much backed by science. And if we're really interested in improving the health of everybody and health includes well-being and psychological health as well as metabolic indicators then this is the approach to go for okay so that's it for another week and we will be back next week with a fresh steaming pile of diet culture bullshit until then trust no one think critically push back against diet culture untrap from the crap <laughs>